Freedom, man. That's what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom, like the good book says. listening to what on earth is happening this show will discuss the topics of human consciousness mind control natural law the occult and all issues that affect the freedom of the people of earth what on earth is happening will endeavor to shine light upon the darkness of our world and to offer empowering solutions to the problems we face as humanity approaches its critical moment of choice. And now, here is your host, Mark Passio. Welcome one and all. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. The network's website, republicbroadcasting.org. Today is Saturday, March 15th, 2014. This show is live every Saturday right here on Republic Broadcasting from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. That's 9 p.m. to midnight Central. We have a great show lined up for you here today. I'm going to be continuing a little bit discussing parental abandonment issues as the root psychological factor that is contributing to the continued human condition of slavery. We'll get into my own parental abandonment issues today, as I hinted that we would be doing last week. And then we're going to go to your calls and get your take on this issue and anything else that you want to discuss. Let me give the call-in number right at the top of the show, and hopefully I can take calls throughout the show. The call-in number to join us here on What on Earth is Happening today is 800-313-9443. Once again, 800-313-9443. You can call in now and get in the queue. And as I said, I'll be uh, reviewing a little bit, getting into my own uh, parental abandonment issues that I've worked with and hopefully conquered completely. Uh, You know, we all carry a bit of this with us and we're all still working with it. But as long as we're willing to do that work, we're making progress. And it is such a huge issue and it's one that goes so unnoticed because It's very nested in the subconscious mind. And that's why many people don't even realize they're carrying these subconscious psychological abandonment issues around with them. They're they're not consciously aware of them. And it affects so much of their behavior from that unconscious, subconscious point of view. So we'll be getting into that a little bit more. I have a couple of uh, very quick event announcements. Um, I will be speaking next weekend in Asheville, North Carolina. I'm going to be giving a presentation on Saturday, March 22nd, 2014 in Asheville, North Carolina, 
called New Age BS and the suppression of the sacred masculine revisited with even more New Age deceptions exposed. So I'm billing this as a presentation to ask the question to people out there, are you truly awake? Especially the, the, those who identify and consider themselves members of the New Age movement or the New Age community. Are you really awake? Are you truly awake? Or are you just in a spiritual trap that is designed specifically to make you believe that you're awake? This is going to be coming up again March 22nd. Saturday, March 22nd in Asheville, North Carolina at the Lexington Avenue Brewery. That's at 39 North Lexington Avenue in Asheville, North Carolina. The doors will open at 9 a.m. This is going to be an all-day event. It's a a one-day seminar is what it really is, not just the presentation. I'll be giving a morning session. We'll be breaking for lunch. I'll be giving an afternoon session. Uh, We may or may not break after that, and then there's going to be an extended question and answer session where people can ask me any questions about my take on what I've presented there that day or anything else about the New Age movement that they want to talk about. So uh, the advance tickets for this are only $7. You could get advance tickets by calling 828-782-0840. Once again, for advance tickets, only $7. 828-782-0840. You could also email iwalkwithpurpose at gmail.com. Once again, the email address for advanced ticket requests iwalkwithpurpose at gmail.com. At the door tickets, only a $10 donation. It's only $3 more at the door. Uh, you can't beat that price anywhere for an all-day seminar with information that I'm going to be presenting that people absolutely need to see and hear to understand how the New Age movement is a deliberately crafted religion. I call it the religion of standing down, to get people to stand down from taking right action in the world and believing that everything is just okay and is going to magically work itself out. It's a huge deception. A lot of people are wrapped up in it. And if people come out, they will gain a lot of clarity and discernment regarding what this entire movement is all about and how to get your mind free of the trap of the, of the snare that the New Age movement want to catch, wants to catch your mind in. So once again, that's Saturday, next Saturday, March 22nd. More likely than not, I will not be broadcasting live next weekend okay, next Saturday, we'll probably be playing a a replay. Should uh, conditions be very conducive to broadcasting a live show, maybe I'll do a live show from from Asheville, possibly, but uh, right now my leaning is I'll probably not be live next weekend. So we'll see what happens. Uh, The other quick event announcement I have is that I am, uh, as many listeners will know, I am on Uh, a juice fast in an attempt to cure my diabetes once and for all. I have type 1.5 or what is known as uh, latent adult onset of juvenile diabetes. They call it LADA, L-A-D-A, or it's been called type 1.5 diabetes. Uh, It's juvenile diabetes that comes on uh, uh, slowly in adulthood. This came on when I was in my early 30s over a period of time. I was diagnosed with it finally. And uh, I've uh, uh, been largely uh, insulin dependent. However, 
I can control this with diet. I have, and I've uh, done a 30-day raw food diet in the past, which has uh, basically knocked the diabetes down for several months, and it didn't slowly creep back in for another several months. A lot of people talk about that, you know, you may have to do these reboots of the uh, gastrointestinal system and the endocrine system uh, uh, so many so many after so many months and just do another raw food diet for a 30 day period i've done some research and come across a lot of people reporting uh different types of diabetes cured as a result of a uh extended juice fast so i started this fast a few weeks back thinking it was only going to be a 10 day fast as i've done before but after going into it a few days and seeing how easy it was and how good i felt and how much uh, clarity of mind i had during it after about three or four days, I said, I'm going to do a full 30 days and, you know, try to uh, proactively go after and tackle this uh, diabetes problem once and for all, because I'm no fan of, not a big fan of needles. I don't like to have to stick myself to test my blood, you know, once a day or twice a day. I don't like to have to take insulin injections if my sugar levels go high, my blood sugar levels. So I'm happy to report since day one that I started this juice fast 26 days ago. Today is day 26. I have four more days to go. Uh, Since day one, my blood sugar levels have been within normal parameters. They have been absolutely perfectly normal since the first day I started this fast. So that's great news and hopefully that will continue after the fast is over after I go back to eating solid food. So uh, wish me luck, four more days. It's been an exercise in willpower, if nothing else. You know, um, not uh, having solid food for that long, uh, there's a definitely a mental, a psychological component to it. You do, I, I did have cravings for solid food. Uh, I was able to control that. You know, I th- believe I have very, very good willpower. Uh, and I have stuck with it. I have only taken into myself freshly, squeezed juice made from an auger juicer uh, and water and herbal tea for the last 26 days. Four more days to go. I'll give you a progress report in a couple of weeks. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. from the material that we covered last week. I was talking about the underlying psychological state of humanity, okay, and how that's really driven by willful ignorance. Willful ignorance is really the manifestation, you know, and from there we get ignoring evil. We get ignoring what's going on all around us. We get ignoring uh, all the uh, iniquities and inequities of our world people not caring about each other, people not helping each other, 
people not trying to spiritually uplift each other, people not trying to uh, present people with information that they need to know, just saying, I don't care, you know, which is where most of humanity is at. And that comes from a state of willful ignorance. And then it allows evil to just run roughshod all over us. But underneath that, there's another condition, and this is people wanting to remain children. It's them wanting to remain in a state of not having any personal responsibility and abdicating personal responsibility, believing that they can abdicate personal responsibility, I should say, to someone else. You know, it's not my responsibility to uh, understand this. It's not my responsibility to take care of myself. It's not my responsibility to help out my fellow man. It's not my responsibility to teach my fellow man anything. No, that's somebody else's responsibility, you know? It's the state's responsibility above all else, don't you know? You know, that's what people want to pass this responsibility off to. Uh, That's government's job, you know? And then government becomes like the surrogate parent in a society of beings like that, in that kind of a mind state. And I was explaining to people there's another underlying condition that lies beneath wanting to remain an eternal child and not ever have any personal responsibility. And that is self-loathing. A people cannot truly love themselves if they don't want to grow up and take care of themselves. How could they possibly love themselves? It's not possible. People will hate to hear that said directly. And I understand that. I get it. Believe me, folks, one thing I'm not, regardless of whatever else you may think I am, I'm not naive. I'm not a naive person. I know exactly where the psychological dynamic of humanity is at. I told people last week, I will often know what's going on in somebody's mind where they will not. Because somebody who has studied psychology at the depth that I have at this point, you you can know things about people that they don't know about themselves because they've never drudged up these issues, these psychological issues, and worked with them and dealt with them and confronted them, let alone studied them in depth. So I know what people think when I say that we're a self-loathing species. I get that they're in denial. They're in psychological denial about that. They don't want to hear it. Does that make it untrue? Absolutely not. It's true nonetheless. We are a species in self-loathing. Because only a species in self-loathing, in the aggregate, I'm not saying everybody is. Don't, Don't confuse my words. I'm not saying every single individual. Plenty of people have true self-respect. Not nearly enough, but there are many who do. But as in the aggregate, when we're talking about the whole species of humanity on earth, it's, it's a paltry few in, in percentage-wise. Okay, So what I'm talking about here is aggregate numbers. The vast majority, the vast percentages of people are in a state of psychological self-loathing subconsciously. They don't have to think consciously, I really don't like myself. Nobody, most people don't have self-loathing issues at that conscious level and like want to kill themselves or, or say that they hate themselves. Nonetheless, they do hate themselves deep down inside, underneath it, at the subconscious level, at the level of the unseen. Okay, and this is be, this, there's another reason for this self-hatred. See, again, just to clarify this, only a people who are self-loathing 
and ultimately hate themselves could allow themselves to remain enslaved. It follows logically. If you just think about it, it, it has nothing to do with uh, the uh, physical enslavement here. People are participating in their own enslavement because they will not desist in doing certain jobs because they will not desist in uh, continuing to uh, support the financial and monetary enslavement because they want theirs. See, they can't transition to the mindset that there's only one family living on this planet. It's, it's too far beyond their level of consciousness to go to. They can't make that fundamental understanding to transition into the level of awareness that there is no separation at, at the ultimate level. And I get it. Not everybody understands that. That is the one level of actual separation. Consciousness. Whether people understand that we are really one. Whether people understand that there is no such thing as authority and no one is higher than anybody else. And that doesn't mean there aren't people who are at higher levels of awareness and consciousness when it comes to these truths. And I get it. That may sound like total alien language to some people listening out there because they're not there yet. They're not at that level yet. I get it. Once again, I'm not naive enough to believe everybody's at the same level of consciousness. I'm telling you what the truth is, but I'm telling you not everybody's going to accept that or understand it. They're going to look at you when you try to explain it like you have three heads growing out of your neck. Okay? Don't make the mistake of believing people are on the same level of, of awareness when it comes to the solutions, to what really needs to be done, because they're not. Most people can't even comprehend that language, let alone really understand the level of consciousness it's going to take to get there. You know, it's, it, it would literally, to, with some people, be like trying to explain arithmetic to a dog. Literally. And I'm not saying that to insult people. I'm saying it because it's true. That's the level of consciousness they're at. So, this self-loathing condition is what has to ultimately be repaired. Now, that's not easy work. That's not going to be easy to do. Because the conditions are holding people in self-loathing as well. Not just their psychological framework or mindset. The external conditions in the world are continuing because these people don't have time to work on themselves. They're too busy doing things for survival needs, you know? Let alone, uh, they're, they're barely making by, scraping by with basic survival, let alone thinking about deep nested psychological issues at the subconscious level. They're not looking at themselves. They're doing everything they can to avoid looking at themselves in many cases. So this um, self-loathing, only true self-respect can heal it. Breaking out of the abuse victim cycle saying, no, I don't need to continue to think about it as I need to be to come out on top. I don't need to think about it as I need to do what's been done to me or what's been done to other people to propagate the same cycle of abuse. We have to get out of the abuse victim game out of the mentality get out of the mentality of wanting to be an abuser and wanting to continue to be abused that's what real self-respect is we'll pick this up on the other side stay with us
Welcome back, everyone. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We were talking about self-loathing issues that are subconsciously embedded in humanity's collective mind. You know, until we become a self-respecting people that want freedom, that want to take personal responsibility for their own lives, that don't want to be ignorant, that want to be well-informed, expect slavery to continue. I mean, what can I say? That's just how it works. That's how the laws of nature work, ladies and gentlemen. You know, and I would add, we need to get out of this mindset that we need to constantly one-up other people. It's all ego. I need to profit. You know, I need to be in a position that is uh, in control over over this person. It's all ego-based. People will say, oh, it's just survival adaptation. No, it isn't. It's called the ego run out of control and the ego owning the mind. Not being a part of the psyche, but owning it. And that's what people have to understand. The psyche isn't there, the, the ego isn't there to be obliterated. The ego is how you lift food and put it into your own mouth instead of, you know, trying to put it into somebody else's mouth or throw it on the ground. The ego is what allows us to use a tool to assist ourselves and make our lives better, to invent technology. Okay, I'm not telling you, I'm talking about the ego run amok, run out of control. That's different than just the human ego. The ego is there to be a tool, to be picked up, used, and then put back in the toolbox. Unfortunately, it has come to to rule the house, and it owns us. You know, it has us all trapped inside of it. We need to get out of that state of mind control. We need to get out of that state of ego identification. All material I've talked about on past podcasts. You can go back in the archives. I tell people, if you want the best value out of this radio show, out of this broadcast, go back into the archives. Start at number one. Whatonearthishappening.com slash podcast. Click the podcast tab on my site. Go back to number one. Listen forward in order at your own pace. It's a tapestry of information meant to be taken in as a whole in a linear progression. That's what you have to do to really understand what's going on on this planet, to understand the solutions. And going forward, this issue that I'm going to be getting into a little bit more tonight that underlies all of these other psychological conditions of willful ignorance, of the refusal to take on personal responsibility as an adult, self-loathing, what underlies all of that? deep-seated, subconscious, psychological, parental abandonment issues. And again, to reiterate what I was saying last week about the abandonment on the part of a parent, it does not have to mean that the parent was not physically there. The parent can be physically present and the child can still be abandoned or develop abandonment issues. Because if the child's emotional needs are not met, if their psychological needs are not met, if their spiritual needs are not met, that is still an abandonment issue that is going to be present for that child. The parent can still be there and not be providing any real nurturing in those capacities for the child, even if they're taking care of their physical needs. Does not make a difference. Physical presence is only one aspect of abandonment issues. 
Of course, abuse comes into this. The parent can be there physically providing the ch for the child and still abusing them and not necessarily even physically abusing them, emotionally abusing them, psychologically abusing them, pa passive aggressively abusing the child. Okay? Instilling horrible thought patterns into the child because th that programming is where the child's going to eventually pull their self-worth from, especially if they don't, by nature, have some sort of a strong constitution, which usually a child does not. They're going to look to a parent for support, especially in the first six or seven years of life. So we are all affected by these issues. No, nobody can say that they're a perfect parent and provided everything that a child needs. Parents do their best. They try to do their best, at least good ones do. Okay? That doesn't mean we're going to be unleft with certain issues that are unresolved, that are nested in the subconscious mind. And this is for those of us who even had good parents. Okay? So, um... Let me give the call-in number once again. Again, I'm taking calls throughout the show. 800-313-9443. Once again, 1-800-313-9443. Get in the queue. I'll go to your calls as they come in. Uh, I want to briefly, since last week we talked about these parental abandonment issues, we discussed um, the the conscious mind versus the subconscious mind, you know, how the role of the conscious mind is to scan the environment, make sense of things, organize information, plan, okay? Um, the subconscious mind's role is quite the opposite. It's automate, it takes care of automated bodily functions, instinct and fight-flight response, habits, you know, initial emotional imprints, initial emotional responses to things. It's ultimate... Uh, function is to protect the conscious mind from the re-experiencing of past traumatic experiences because the conscious mind has this very powerful capability called imagination and visualization capabilities you know so that imagination and visualization can actually be a bad thing if we relive horrible traumatic experiences then we're reliving that actually physiologically and the body starts pumping chemicals into the physiology that are, can actually be harmful and can actually do damage to the internal organs and the brain. When we relive traumatic experiences that put us into fight-flight mode emotionally and mentally, it's called stress. It takes the blood away from the torso where the organs are. It takes the blood, the blood pumps away from the head, the brain. And, and it goes to the extremities, where, where what we need for fight or flight, the arms and the legs. So it's a very physiological reaction, stress, reliving the past that is painful and traumatic, that was painful or traumatic. That's why the subconscious mind has this defense mechanism to protect us from that, by nesting it and burying it in the subconscious, so we don't consciously think about it. But if we don't do the work to bring it up to the conscious level and deal with it, not necessarily dwell on it and keep, you know, uh, trying to re-experience it, quote-unquote, okay, through imagination and visualization, but to work with the traumatic experience in a way that helps to heal it, emotionally heal it, 
mentally heal that trauma. This is very deep introspective self-work. I talked a little bit last week briefly about EFT. Emotional freedom technique is a tapping on meridian lines in the body that can help with this and you could release forms of these traumas that are nested into the subconscious uh, through an energy response similar to acupuncture. Very advanced technique actually that doesn't involve having to, to dredge the memory up in a, in a imagination slash visualization sense. But I'm not telling you there aren't people with the constitutions that can't do it that way. You know, by going in and re-imagining re the experience. It takes a lot of self-control to do it that way. A whole lot. And not put yourself under immense stress. So we talked about this and we talked about breaking out of the abuse victim cycle. This cycle of not becoming the abuser or the victim once a trauma has happened last week. We also then briefly discussed political parties as what I called psychological proxies. You're putting this uh, political party or affiliation or uh, a candidate in place as the real thing for the absence of parental a parental figure. We looked at the Democratic Party as giving a, providing a psychological proxy for the absence of the mother figure in a mother-child relationship because the Democrats see government as, or the liberals or leftists, however you want to word it, want to see government as the nanny or the mommy, the, the nurturer and the provider that is absent for them in some way, in some respect. They think it should be provide for all of our needs from cradle to grave. You know, that people shouldn't truly be self-responsible for their own needs. No, government should be fulfill that role like an archetypal mother. And vice versa, the Republican, the conservative, the right-winger, looks at government as the father figure, the strong archetypal father figure protector that's going to go out and police the world and keep us safe substituting as a psychological proxy for an absent father figure. We'll pick this up on the other side of the break. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. happening here on Republic Broadcasting. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Talking about parental abandonment issues as the ultimate nested subconscious psychological issue that is driving the condition that humanity finds itself in, and that is slavery. Government is slavery, ladies and gentlemen. Whether you understand that or not doesn't make one bit of difference. It is still true. Until we get rid of this idea called government, get it out of our minds that it is necessary. What anybody is saying when they say government is necessary is they're saying slavery is necessary. And, you know, just if you even just look at that term, you know, you see how ridiculous, or if you should see how ridiculous it sounds, 
You know, that should be self-evident to you when you say slavery is necessary. But that's what you're really saying when you say government is necessary. That's what anybody is saying when they say government is necessary. And they're enslaved by that very system. So it's a slave on the plantation telling other people, I should be, I should remain a slave. Now, how could anyone in that psychological state love themselves? It's not possible. It's not possible. Okay? So you could hate hearing that all you want to hate hearing it. That doesn't make it untrue. It's still true that that's where people are at. Most people are in that state of such deep self-loathing because they want the state to be mommy and daddy because they can't deal or haven't dealt with or refuse to deal with their own parental abandonment issues. And they haven't really grown up as a result. They're not a true adult. They are not, they could be as old as anybody else. They could be as old as an 80 year old person. They could be, you know, in their late twenties and their mid forties. It doesn't make a difference what age they are. They could look at adult and they're still a psychological infant. They're still a spiritual infant. Physical age has absolutely nothing to do with how truly grown up a human being is internally, how truly mature they are internally. Okay, so, and this is what the state loves. The state loves people who are psychological children. We're a nation of grown children, of psychological infants. That's what allows the state to stay in control. And they love it and they do everything they can to propagate it. Talk to us like we're children on on the uh, airwaves, feeding us nonsense, you know, mindless forms of entertainment on every channel on the idiot box that people sit behind with their GMO food, you know, cramming down, down their gullet every day after they go to their left brain job, you know, and their bodies all run down. Then they, they sit in front of a device feeding themselves crap food and then watch a mind control device all night. And I guarantee you there's plenty of people out there who, who do the same thing, who are listening to this broadcast and think that they're awake. Think that, th- that they know what's going on because they're just starting to understand you're on a farm. That you're in a pen. That you're in a barn. Okay? You're one of the animals on the farm. And most people have absolutely no idea how that is maintained. How that condition is maintained. And they support it in many cases. They support it. Because they don't want to truly grow up for themselves and take care of themselves. So, what I want to talk about here today is my own psychological parental abandonment issues and those of my sibling. And I'm going to talk about my, my sibling, my sister here, whether she likes it or not or wants me to, to bring these issues up or not. I'm going to talk about it because... It's something that I want to discuss. Okay? So, my mother and father separated when I was five months in the womb. Okay, now, how's that for an abandonment issue? My father takes off, uh, obviously, you know, marital infidelity played a role in all of this. And uh, he takes off and splits when 
my sister is six, uh, five and a half years old, and I'm in the womb five months. So, you know, this is obviously a typical story of how families break up, you know, divorce, infidelity, divorce, leading to divorce, leading to uh, one parent raising two children. This was the case with my family, or, you know, before I was born, actually. So, you know, my mother, she's young, she wants to raise her two children, you know, gets a decent job, and uh, then essentially can't be home for the raising of her two children, largely. So now you have the father gone and you have the mother working constantly every day and only there a small percentage of the time. And again, the state loves this. They, they love scenarios and conditions like this because, again, they want to be the surrogate parent. They want to be the proxy, the psychological proxy for both parental figures. So they, they have a vested interest in keeping people in these nested subconscious states of undealt with psychological issues because they want you to be emotionally immature so that you'll eventually identify the state as mommy and daddy. So many people are right in this trap and don't even know that they're in it. So going back to the story, parents separate at about five months pregnancy with me in the womb. So that means I don't ever really know my father upon being born and growing up at a very young age. Eventually I did because he came in my life at a later point. Not not in a big way, but you know, uh, in a way such that I never really harbored a deep ill will or resentment. Uh, started to try to understand young, I feel, how relationship problems can crop up between people. And it's not didn't necessarily have anything to do with me. Now, that was me and my take and my understanding. My sister did not have that understanding. It hit her way, way harder because she was already born and she was already five years old when my father splits with my mother. So now, again, my mother's working full-time, trying to raise us and support us, or at least provide for our, I shouldn't even use the word raise, I should say provide for our physical needs, much different than raising. If people think that's all there is to raising a child, you have no idea what the word raising even means, okay? I don't look like I was, I don't look at it from a, a true perspective of what I understand the word raising to be. I was not raised, I was raised by strangers from a, a condition of psychological infancy, immaturity, and self-loathing, and uh, you know, um, ignorance. That's what that's what raising really means. Is you come out of all those conditions. Strangers did that for me that I never met personally. People I consider my mentors, and you know what? I don't give a damn. Let me just make one thing clear. I don't give a damn what people think of the people I consider my mentors. I could care less what you think about them, okay? Let me make that clear. I put who I consider people who influenced my life for the positive in a video, and then people say, you want to dismiss my video work? Well, go right ahead and dismiss it. Shut it off. I don't give a damn, okay? They're the people who helped me. If you don't like them, go listen to somebody else. You're free to do that. You're also free to dismiss my work and say there's nothing to it because he likes these people. I think you're a total retard for thinking that way. 
It's a complete logical fallacy. Okay? You know, to say that there's nothing here because this person likes this person's work and agrees with them on a lot of things. It's utter nonsense. It's, it's more emotional immaturity and childishness. That's all it is. You think you can't get, gain information or garner understanding from listening to somebody just because they like somebody that you happen not to like or agree with? You're a moron. You're a moron. Okay? So you could say anything you want about who I list as people I like and my mentors and who I consider who raised me from a state of ignorance. You go right ahead and say it. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Mark Passio. We'll be right back. what it's all about. You've got to groove on freedom like the good book says. Welcome back everyone. This is hour number two of What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host Mark Passio. My website whatonearthishappening.com in the last segment, I was talking about uh, my own uh, family and uh, the the uh, parental abandonment issues that myself and my sibling went through growing up because uh, we were uh, essentially raised in a, uh, a by a, a, a mother who was divorced. You know, our our father left when uh, my sister was <clears throat> about five and a half years old. I was in the womb still. Uh, yet to be born, and uh, that creates a whole host of issues. Uh, my mother, again, had to take work and not be around uh, for much of the day. So um, uh, we were essentially uh, living with our grandparents for much of our early childhood, and they would watch us during the day, and eventually I ended up essentially staying at, at that house almost all the time. Uh, so I consider like I was brought up by my grandparents more so than my parents because, again, my father wasn't around physically, my mother not really around much because she had to work to provide for physical needs and monetary needs for uh, myself and my sister. So uh, not to say, uh, as I was saying last segment, that uh, my mother didn't do what she could and my grandparents didn't do an excellent job instilling a lot of good values in both myself and my sister but I would still not say as harsh as this may come off sounding that these were the people who raised me I was not raised by family members I was my physical well-being was cared for by family members was I cared for by family members absolutely that's different than being raised by somebody most people are not raising their children all over the world they may care for their children you know and provide for physical creature comforts for their children 
but they're not really truly raising children. Now, what I mean by raising, again, this is a Masonic term. It means to lift up from a state of spiritual unconsciousness, to actually turn the unconsciousness that is a childlike condition or a actual child condition into an awake and aware adult mature responsible condition it is to spiritually uplift a human being it is to instill a true sense of morality of the actual difference between right and wrong behavior into a human being with knowledge not with just how you feel it should be done you know, hoping you do a good job or having good intentions. That's what most parents are doing. They're flying by their shoestrings, okay? I'm talking about with actual knowledge, raising someone from an unconscious condition to a conscious condition. That's what it means to quote-unquote raise somebody. And parents in the United States and all throughout the world, they're not raising their children a damn bit. Not a bit. Who I consider who... Now, again, these are people who physically took care of my needs. Different than raising. I was not raised in my childhood. I was not raised until I was about close to 30 years old. I would say I began being raised in my late 20s. And I was finally, I would consider raised by the time I was maybe 30, 32, 33, something like that. I'm 39 now. Going to be 40 this year, this summer. So, um, who raised me? Who really raised me? People I've never met. People I've never met in my life. Michael Tessarion's an individual who helped to raise me. Manly P. Hall helped to raise me. Jordan Maxwell, David Icke, William Cooper, Terrence McKenna, Max Heindel, I could go on and on. These are the people who raised me. I may not agree with every single thing they say. As a matter of fact, I don't agree with every single thing they say. That doesn't mean that they weren't instrumental in raising me. Uh, many, many other authors and lecturers and presenters. How about H.P. Blavatsky and her work? You know. How about people like Israel Regardi, Graham Hancock, Richard Hoagland, uh, you know, you can go on and on and on. You know, other other teachers too that I don't pull, I don't consider every aspect of their work true. Even people you could say in the so-called New Age movement. I got a lot of value out of Deepak Chopra's work. I got a lot of value out of Wayne Dyer's work. Do I consider them New Agey? Yeah, I do. That doesn't mean a lot of the things they don't say are are true. Eckhart Tolle's work, some of it is very very good, although there's many things I don't agree with him with as well. You know? Again, it's about taking what works. And if something isn't working or isn't true, and you logically screen it out, then leave it. That doesn't mean you can't take the, the rest. You know? I love people who... Uh, one thing this researcher said I disagree with, well, all of it, he's an agent. Immediately, they go to that. Immediately, he's working for the dark side. It's all—it's all a ploy. It's all—it's he's—he's he, a shill. Yeah, okay. How old are you? You believe that nonsense? Not everybody has every single aspect of the picture figured out, folks. You know we need to be mature about that. 
and exercise judgment and discernment. But see, that involves that thing called responsibility again. And there's what people don't want. They want to just randomly throw things out. So, again, they're the people who raised me, okay? Made me into a person who had, truly had conscience. And again, from an amalgamation of all their work, no one individual did that. A group of strangers who I never met raised me. Now, going back to the actual condition in, uh, in childhood, you know, since we were basically, you know, cared for and provided for by my mother and my grandparents, but largely by my grandparents, who are no longer with us today. They've passed. Um, the, uh, the situation took its toll much more on my sister than it did me because, of course, she was at a, uh, an age of somewhat understanding, of s slight understanding, but some understanding about what the actual situation was. I was very, very, very young, you know, just being born, you know, not born when the separation happened. And, you know, early on in life, I didn't know anything any, any different. She had lived with my father for years before the split, and that took a harder toll on her. So these parental abandonment issues were even more deeply rooted in my sister. She never really fully got over th this stuff. And, you know, I don't feel she's ever really worked with that shadow material. And, you know, there's no talking to, to certain people in certain psychological conditions they're they're gonna it's gonna create suffering and pain till they're ready to come out of it unfortunately and, and unfortunately that seems to be where humanity is at we, we don't have time you know we're out of time you know the walls are closing in folks and most people are like in the same situation as somebody like my sister who is probably isn't going to deal with these issues you know i've looked at them head on a long long time ago actually and let it go because it's, it's, first of all, present moment awareness has a lot to do with this. That's in the past. It's not happening now. And I'd made a conscious decision at some point. I'm not going to let this define my self-worth. This, what happened there between those two people, even if I was a factor in it or she was a factor in it, should not define our self-worth. And I made a conscious decision not to allow it to. It's a matter of willpower. It's a matter of self-respect. It's a matter of looking at the issue and deciding, what am I going to make this mean for me? I can imbue this with purpose. I can imbue this with meaning. Is it going to be something that just happened between people who grew apart, didn't really love each other anymore, and there were children involved? Because that's what it really was, you know? At an actual level, you could go on and on and on about why people do the things that they do. It, it, what happened is what was. It's not what is. It's in the past, first of all. I'm not going to let that define the quality of my life in the present moment. And I am most certainly not going to let it determine my self-value. What I think of myself. Not everybody has that kind of willpower, though, folks. I don't make the mistake of thinking that everyone does.
listening to What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Um, I don't want to spend too much more time on talking about this uh, situation other than um, uh, trying to help people to understand how this will set a precedent in your life if you let it. And most people have let that happen. They're not looking at it from a perspective of clarity and understanding. Okay, they're they're letting it color their opinion of themselves and their self-worth. And I'm not trying to tell you everybody's going to have the strength to immediately see a situation in that light. You know, they're they're a lot of times when you're young, you can't. You don't have enough knowledge to do that. See, I, I guess I was more insulated from the situation because of my extreme young age. Whereas, again, my sister took it so hard that she held that grudge, let it, you know, um, I guess you could say uh, fester in her own emotional makeup. And you know what it did later on? Because she looked at it from a situation of this has something to do with my self-worth. This has something to do with what other people think about me. And therefore, I'm going to think a certain way about me, possibly maybe less than I should. And I see, I see my own sister as somebody who sells herself short, you know, thinks that she's uh, not somehow uh, as good of a person or as smart of a person or as worthy of a person as she actually is. You know, and in many ways, she has let that er very early happening in her life color a lot of her own self-worth and perspective on, on herself. Again, by looking at this and understanding a lot of the psychological issues involved with it later, uh, I bypassed a lot of that. And again, again, you could say, well, because this happened when you were so young, it didn't just affect you that much. That's partially true. But again, partially is because I deliberately went into the issue and looked at it and thought about it deeply. And I couldn't say, can I hold this grudge against my father for the rest of my life? No, I can't. I'm not going to, first of all, I'm not going to harbor that kind of energy to, to because it'll one, because it'll eat me up and two, because it's already done. It happened. It's over. It cannot be taken back and changed. It's the past. Okay, we can decide what we're going to do now. So now, am I going to look at that and say, well, that somehow means I'm not worthy or he left left me because I wasn't good enough? No, I'm not going to let that color my self-worth. Just not going to allow that. I am in control of my own self-worth. I, I really recognize that from a young age. I am going to determine what I think I am worthy of. Nobody else is going to determine that for me. And you know what I think I'm worthy of? More freedom, more happiness, more understanding, more knowledge, more peace, everything, more of everything that's good. Why would I sell myself short and think I'm not worthy of that? So the the whole point here is you're in control of your self-worth. No one else is. You can only allow somebody else to color it and influence it and take control of that. And that means you have to not everybody has that strength of constitution. I get it. I get it. But if you work with 
these issues and you you bring them up to the conscious level, you can start to reverse these nested subconscious issues. It is possible to do. It's hard work sometimes. And if someone like my sister wanted to do that work, I'm not telling, I'm not saying it would be easy. It would be difficult, but it is possible. And those methods are available to people. And you know, what did she do later in life? She gravitated towards someone with the exact same abandonment issues, father abandonment issues. Her own husband, my brother-in-law has the exact same issues, fatherly abandonment issues. I won't go into depth or detail regarding that, but, um, it's funny how we like attracts like it really does. It's true. So since she had these nested psychological, not even nested, these very conscious abandonment issues, she gravitated toward in her marriage toward a man that has the exact same issues. And in many cases, they don't, they don't even recognize that. I would say largely they don't recognize that, that that's probably the single factor that drew them together. And it's, not exactly what you would call, uh, you know, the uh, uh, ideal marriage or relationship. But again, that's get, drifting off into other territories. The I- example here is psychological parental abandonment. Okay, parental abandonment in any form, whether it's psychological, m- mental, emotional, uh, or physical. But uh, it's the psychological issue of dealing with parental abandonment. Um. So you see how this dynamic works. Last week I explained how this works with worked with Steve Jobs of Apple. You know how he became a control freak that wanted 100% control over everything at his company, over all parts of the user experience. It's why, uh, to me, as a longtime user of a lot of Apple's products, I, I won't I won't buy anything from them anymore. If they're so about control, and you know he put people in charge who he knew were going to act as lackeys and essentially keep his model exact. You know. So don't expect Apple to reverse their trend on what Jobs started, you know, because he was adopted. You know, I went into this last week on on last week's show, and he could never truly give away his creations like his parents gave him away early in life. This is where he was holding on to this nested subconscious psychological parental abandonment issue, and it colored all the decisions he made, and he became a control freak. So... You know, once you understand how these issues work, you can see them so readily. It's like handwriting on a wall. It's like literally someone shining a flashlight on, 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 you know, in your face. You see it so immediately. It's so apparent. Whereas before, you know, you, you're wondering why is behavior like this? You know, why is this person behaving like this? And again, I said it last week, most of the military and the police, they're doing the same thing because they have mommy issues and daddy issues. They're little boys who never grew up, whose parents didn't pay enough attention to them, whose parents abandoned them in one form or another, whether physically, mentally, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, or all of the above. And now the, 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 the state is big daddy, it's, it's nanny, it's mommy. Okay, and they want to give all their power away and all their responsibility away to the new surrogate family, the new surrogate parents, which is the state, you know, and it's all because they won't look in the mirror in the one place that they need to look 
to deal, confront and deal with those issues that are going on deep inside themselves in their shadow selves, the part of themselves they don't want to look at because it's too seemingly painful. But ultimately, you don't deal with that shadow material. You know what it does? It rises up, it sneaks up behind you, and it devours you. It pounces on you like, like a huge cat of prey, and it devours you. It eats you from the inside out. And that's what they're doing not only to themselves, but to their whole damn society. Their whole society. And they're acting as the house slaves of that society. Doing it to their own kind. Okay? Imposing slavery on themselves, their own people, their own children. Without even a thought in their head. Because they have just refused to look at truth. They've refused to look at self. They say it, the self is too painful to look at and it's too painful to look at what I've already become, what they already know deep in their, in, down in, inside of themselves, in the subconscious part of themselves, what they've already become. We're going to go to the phones on the other side of this break. Welcome back, everyone. This is What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. So I think I've really uh, done a brief review of uh, some of the material we covered last week. I've gone into some of my own uh, parental abandonment issues and some of the scenarios that played out when I was young. Uh, talked a little bit about how it affected my older sibling, my sister, and... Um, uh, I've kind of covered what I want to talk about. We still have an hour and a half left in the show. I'm going to go to the phones this segment and take your start taking your calls. So really, um, the rest of the show is fair game. If you want to stay on the issue of abandonment, uh, talk about that, ask any questions about that. Any other topic is fair game as well. No taboo topics ever here on What on Earth is Happening. Call in and ask anything you like. You could ask about any of my old material that you want clarification on. Uh, the call-in number to join us, 800-313-9443. Once again, 800-313-9443. Uh, in coming weeks, I will be expanding on this topic and taking it into the realm that I call cosmic abandonment. And this will take many weeks to unpack this ancient story. Not everyone will agree. A lot of people will want to go into shutdown mode and psychological denial with a lot of the things I'm going to be talking about on this show in the coming weeks. But over the next many weeks, I will be unpacking the topic of cosmic abandonment. And you can get a little preview of that if you go to my videos section on my website at whatonearthishappening.com and check out the prelude to that, which is a video called Cosmic Abandonment. But I'm going to be breaking it down deep uh, over many weeks here on this show and going into a lot of source material and uh, doing some reading on the air and uh, presenting some other researchers, maybe even possibly interviewing some of those researchers if I could secure them for an interview for the show. So that's coming to What on Earth is Happening. And a lot of people have been really anticipating this material. So um, 
With that having been said, I do have one other brief announcement I want to make. Uh, the Free Your Mind 2 videos from the 2013 conference last year in April, they are going online now as we speak. Our editors are really churning them out now, and uh, they're being posted to the conference website. Uh, and I think it's actually not too bad that it kind of took a little while because if you really think about it, a lot of people aren't motivated to go to conferences live anymore. So that's why I like the, the Free Your Mind conferences in every other year event. And maybe it might be a good idea to keep it that we have the conference, then the next year the videos go out, and then, you know, then we have a conference the year after that. This way there's incentive for people to go live, you know, because if the... You, the videos come out immediately after the conference. Well, most people are like, oh, I'll catch it on video. You know, this way at least there's a little bit of uh, waiting involved. Uh, I might have liked to see them come out a little bit sooner, but I'm not really complaining that much when I think about the timing because uh, them going up about one year after we did the conference, it does give people more of an incentive to attend the live event, those who can. I realize not everyone can, but uh, then we are going to, we are, have made the information available for free and we, all of them will be live. Uh, they will be forthcoming. About half of them, approximately half of them are up online right now. They're on the speaker bio pages of freeyourmindconference.com. So you could check that out when you get a chance. Hit up freeyourmindconference.com and go to any of the speaker pages. And the, the people, uh, the speakers whose videos are ready, their videos are live on their speaker bio page at freeyourmindconference.com. We also did finally put up an official Free Your Mind uh, YouTube channel. Uh, and I'll be linking to that in what on earth is happening at what on earth is happening.com and uh, at freeyourmindconference.com. I believe it's already linked. It's youtube.com slash FYM conference. So youtube.com slash FYM conference, as in free your mind, FYM conference. Spell out the whole world word conference, no space between those. YouTube.com slash FYM conference is the new Free Your Mind YouTube channel. And the videos for both Free Your Mind 1, all of the videos for Free Your Mind 1 back in 2011 are up on that channel, as well as the videos that are completed so far for Free Your Mind 2. We'll, we will be adding these as our editors make the videos available to the organizational team, and I will be posting them on the conference website as they become available. That having been said, let's go to the phones. Um, Mike in New York, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Thank you for taking my call, Mark. Uh, Mike Rivera, right? Is this Mike uh, Rivera? Yeah. Mike, uh, welcome. Uh, really great to hear your voice, my friend. What do you have for us tonight? Well, uh, you know, I've, in my life, I feel that your information came into came into my life uh, at, at times when, you know, it could, couldn't have been uh, better. Uh, and I have to say, this topic you you've brought up is is again uh, abandonment and or uh, is really hitting close to home. Uh, my father passed away uh, back in uh, September 2012, and uh, throughout my life, I, my father and my parents were actually you know, pretty pretty uh, decent people. Uh, they were so good, maybe a little overbearing, so much so that I, I actually I feel instead of more of abandonment, I feel I've actually rejected. Uh, actually my, my parents I, I rejected the entire scenario maybe they've played the part of uh, i'm gonna influence you maybe you you know I, I like sports he was very left brain oriented so sports and math was, was was a great subject for him 
Uh, me, on the other hand, was very right-brained, and uh, I, I went off completely in the other direction. I think because of that, I've actually rejected my parents, per se, you know, in a sense. And I've also, in turn, rejected the world, and spiritually, I, I also rejected my God subconsciously. I rejected myself, and I also hated myself, knowing to the fact that I can never achieve the greatness that I, that that my parents have already bestowed upon me. Uh, in doing so, throughout my years, I've, I've caused major self-destruction. I've wasted 20 years of my life throughout a dark path of lying, manipulation, cheating, stealing, whatever I had to do to survive. Um, coming out of that, the, the question of why, and it became you know, your information throughout the, the videos and stuff that you've released through the years, uh, has really come come to the understanding that yes, I truly hated myself, and that is why I can never achieve anything in my life, nor could I achieve any greatness for anybody else in my life. Uh, and turning that around, and really, uh, you brought up, uh, you know, visually imagining it, or not imagining it, but visually bringing it out in your head. That was the only way. Uh, the only solution I can come up with to actually go about piece by piece and reconstruct all the damage and all the horrible things that I did. And that's the only way I could repent because some of the people that I couldn't even apologize to are already dead. Uh, and how do you deal with that? Now, could, could you hang on it? Could, could I have hung upon this deal my whole life and, and always hated myself for it? No, but I have to, uh, by improving myself and improving the people around me with, with true knowledge and trying to uh, enlighten them in any way I can. Uh, as you say, get in front of them, get loud, and don't go away. Uh, I, I've, been, I've been thrown out more than I, I've been asked to stay, but that's okay. Uh, I have the strength to actually deal with these situations through the information that you have, you know, uh, have come out with, and I, I couldn't feel that your information is, couldn't have been uh, more timely, and I thank you for that. Well, Mike, I, I thank, I thank the, you for that, and I, I want to say you're doing a great job in not only dealing with those issues, bringing them to the fore, bringing them to the surface, out of the subconscious mind and into the realm of the conscious, first of all. And secondly, it is all about standing within truth as you're doing. You're, 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 you called it repenting, and that's really what it is. You're, you're atoning. You're, you're making up for the, the lack of that responsibility earlier on in your life. And you, you may not have been as knowledgeable, you may not have been as mature, but when you did develop that that knowledge, when you did develop that maturity, that personal responsibility, you ran with it. You took that ball, you ran with it, and now you're taking that information to others in an attempt to help them. And like you said, you can't undo the past. No one can. What's done is done. You can't beat yourself up over things you did. I, I look back, I, there's a million things I could have done differently that would have saved me from all kinds of suffering. But in many ways, that also helps us, that informs who we are now, you know? Those experiences, if we have learned from them, become valuable helpers and assistants to us in the work that we have to do now. So, and that's the key, that term, if we have learned from them. Suffering is all futile and pointless if you learn nothing from it. But if you learn from it, and then you adjust your decisions and actions accordingly, it can be a very powerful teacher in your life. And that's what you did. You didn't let that go to waste. You employed it 
because you allowed it to change you for the better and then you ran with that ball and did the work that you really came here to do, which is speak the truth to other people. So I thank you for doing that. Great call. As always, great callers here on What on Earth is Happening. We'll have more of your calls until the end of the show today. You're going to make the content for the rest of the show, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. You know the day destroys the night Night divides the day Try to run, try to hide Break on through to the other side Break on through to the other side Break on through to the other side We're trying to break on through here on What on Earth is Happening Your calls until the end of the show So you'll make the content from here on out. I've said what I had to say already tonight. Uh, Let's go to Damon in New Mexico. Damon, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Okay, uh, Damon uh, looks like he hung up. Let's go to Ivan in Phoenix. Ivan, welcome to What on Earth is Happening, my friend. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Doing well. How are you? All right. Uh, I'm out and about right now, so if you hear some traffic in the background, that, that's the background noise. No, no I'm not at work like before. No worries. Um, so I just uh, got into the car and on my phone started listening to your show called like the last 45 minutes or so. And it's, again, pretty much we have this thing of synchronicity. Every time I'm listening to you, there are things I bring up that I was just doing. Um, like you mentioned being raised, the ones who raised you, uh, and you threw out David Icke. Last night at work, I went back in my old podcast archives and uh, listened to David Icke. Um, what was it? Um, Lion Sleeps No More, Humanity Get Off Your Knees. Oh, yes. So that whole six or eight hour thing. And it's uh, incredible that after listening to you for the last year and a half, two years or so, going back to David Icke, it's it's different now. There are things that he brought up in there that I agreed with, but I was surprised that there were other things that learning from you or being raised by you that I didn't agree with anymore, that I can see where he had certain like limitations, that he wasn't going as far as you were taking it. And I think uh, last year at the conference, I brought this up to you that... It, uh, listening to other people it seems like we've you and listening to you um we've surpassed the research of uh, other greats and that goes to that saying of we stand on the shoulders of giants That's right. they laid down the foundation but we take it further if it That's wasn't right. for them and we many will come along and take it further Many will come along and take it further than us as well, Ivan. It go, it, that's how it's supposed to go on and on and build up to greater and greater levels of awareness and consciousness. So, you know, eventually someone will come along, eclipse what I or anybody else has done, you know, what Michael Tessarion has done, what David Icke has done, what Jordan Maxwell has done. And I absolutely hope that they do and go way beyond it because there's so much more out there to learn and understand. None of us have all of the pieces of the picture. We can we can see the general picture pretty well, and we could also envision the solutions pretty well, but there's always more to learn. There's always more to know. There's always more to understand. Yeah, exactly. And you bringing up that topic about raising, that's, that, again, synchronistic, because for the last couple of months, I've kind of had this guilty feeling 
Um, I, I have a 15-year-old that lives with his mother. We're divorced. And sometimes I feel guilty that I'm not in his life as much. Um, but yet I'm providing. He gets the child support. He has all the material stuff and everything. And I see that his mother and, and the per- person she's with now, they provide for my son, but they're not raising him. So even though I'm not in his life, right. once you said that, you you kind of relieved me because when he's with me, I bring up, you know, the lies of the schools and the governments and society and money. And he, he's still in the school, so obviously he has it coming from both sides. But at least I know that I'm trying to raise him properly. I tell him, yes, you have to go through the motions to, you know, succeed and accomplish. But, you know, distinguish what they want you to learn. And then this is the truth and society, the money and the way things are. So now I kind of feel better that I am trying to raise him properly, even though it's not just, well, he gets child support, so I did my part. Right, exactly. It can be so difficult with uh, a child uh, being raised by, you know, uh, separated parents because uh, often they'll get a lot of conflicting messages as well. You know, one parent or maybe the new uh, spouse that uh, one parent has taken will teach a conflicting message than what the other parent will be attempting to instill in the child. And th- that kind of uh, crosses the wires in many cases and leaves the child, especially if they're young and in a state of uh, early cognitive development, very confused. You know, it, it can be a, a real challenge growing up in, you know, that, that type of uh, a uh, environment of, of separation when it comes to the parents. And it really does affect the child on deep emotional levels and deep psychological levels that, uh, you know, stay rooted in the subconscious. And again, that, that should be confronted and dealt with as early of an age as possible, as far as I'm concerned, because the child really should be gently helped to come out of, start bringing those issues out of the subconscious mind right away. Because what the subconscious mind is trying to do, even at that early age, is bury it deeper, nest it down. It wants to protect the conscious mind from the re-experiencing of that trauma. We, we have to understand, while that is a so-called defense mechanism, it is still allowing for those issues to go unresolved and undealt with. And then they become bigger behavioral issues later on in life. So uh, just by the fact that we are aware of those issues is going to put us in a position of empowerment to start nipping them in the bud and tackling them before they become way bigger psychological issues that create very unstable behaviors or even lead to violent behaviors later on in life. Right, okay. And now one one more part from my end. Um, I, I've... Even though I'm already in my mid-40s and I'm learning all this stuff and uh, pretty much absorbing everything you've put out and David Icke and everyone else, um, the last few months I've had this little personal struggle because I can see the goal line, but yet I realize that the reality of of the situation is getting there from here. And I see your... Uh, you don't eat meat, vegetarian. I see Larkin Rose, he's an anarchist. I you know, see all these different things from other people, and I know that's where I want to go or need to go, but then I'm also realizing that I'm learning this. There are people who don't even know this. So, yeah, I can take a break from trying to tell anybody anything and just work on myself, and who knows if that'll take a year or 10 years, but 
by that same token, I'm thinking, well, you know what? I'm in the same situation as everyone else. At least I'm aware of it. So I can work on myself and at the same time share this information with others and, and get them in the direction of anarchy or, or get cutting down their meat consumption and stuff like that. Now, let, me, let me tell you something. Yet, let me I tell you something, Ivan. That well. very recognition right there that you just laid out puts you well ahead of me when I started because... I waited for so long to talk about the things that I talk about. I knew this, I knew the stuff that I'm talking about now for years before I started and waited and waited and waited and didn't say a word. I didn't say a word to my family members. I didn't say a word to my friends. I didn't say a word to any strangers. Nothing. Didn't put it out there online. I was like in a shell waiting, 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 waiting until finally I was snapped out of it. Somebody basically said, what the hell are you waiting for, man? You need to be out there doing this. Your recognition that you need to be out there doing that while you are learning puts you so far ahead of the curve. You know, I, I can't even express it. It's just, this is great to see. And, you know, um, I, I just want to uh, commend people that understand it's not just about working on yourself. It's about working on yourself while you work on others. It's an influence game that we are playing here. The awakening process is a game of influencing other people. We have to work on that influence on others, and that helps us to work on ourselves. See, speaking to others isn't just about just trying to influence them. That helps you to reiterate and refine your message, and it's sinking into you. When you speak it to somebody else, you're speaking it to yourself and you're further solidifying it and you're further learning it. So it's not just about doing that work on others while you do it on others, you're doing it upon yourself as well. So just uh, great, great observations and insights. Do you have anything else for us? Well, you know, I always have a ton of stuff <laughs> if I can just blurt it out because that's what my linguistic skills are not as uh, sharp as yours. I can't just, you know, spill it all out. But at, at work, I gave this lady the um, natural law seminar on okay. three DVDs, the three parts, and yes. she watched them. And she came back and she told me there was about 75-80% of it that she really liked. She didn't like the political kind of thing. I'm like, well, what political stuff? And she tried to explain and I can pick up the emotional mind control. Right. And I was like, wow. I, right. the emotional mind control. She was attached <laughs> to that. Everything else she was fine with. But the emotional mind control with the political, well, who's going to do this, that common thing? Well, who's going to make the roads kind of thing? Like, wow. Ivan, we're coming up to a break. Thanks so much for your call. Always great to hear from you. We'll see you on the other side of this break, folks. Don't go anywhere. final hour of this edition of What on Earth is Happening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Taking your calls in this final hour, so you'll make the content. 
I'm settled here with a nice uh, cu a couple of juices I have going here tonight. Uh, I have a couple 50-50 blends I'm taking in tonight. I have uh, a carrot cantaloupe blend. And let me tell you something, folks. If you haven't tried that combination of juice, if, go out and get a juicer just to put those two juices together because you don't know what you're missing if you've never tried carrot cantaloupe, about a 50-50 blend between them. And uh, leave the uh, skin of the cantaloupe on there because a lot of nutrition in the actual skin. Get organic, buy organic always if you can. And uh, run that through your juicer. And man, absolutely delicious. I also have another little 50-50 blend going here of uh, pineapple and apple. And again, just you know, don't skin anything. Leave all the skins right on that. You get 100% of the nutritional value of the fruit that way, and it's just awesome. So uh, again, I'm on day 26 of this 30-day juice fast. It's going great. I feel good. My mind is clear. Uh, I've dropped a little bit of weight. I've, I think I've lost about 12 pounds on this fast. Um, I uh, have a lot of energy and um, really looking forward to uh, speaking in uh, Asheville, North Carolina this coming Saturday, a week from today. Uh, my presentation, New Age BS and the Suppression of the Sacred Masculine. And hey, uh, very synchronistically, uh, while we're talking about that, let's go back to the phones because in North Carolina, we have Frank on the line. Frank from North Carolina, welcome to What on Earth is Happening. Oh, maybe we don't have Frank. Frank, yeah, he there? dropped. Oh, there he is. How you doing? No, I'm sorry, he dropped. Oh, he did drop. Okay. All right, uh, then let's go to Ray in Oregon. Ray, you're on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hey, Mark. Uh, uh, I'm glad you're doing this uh, this open forum thing. I got three or four questions to bounce off of you. Sure, go right ahead. You said uh, all topics are open, right? Sure. Nothing that I mean. I, I just as a, a side note, uh, I'm very familiar with uh, what uh, what you're talking about the abandonment issues and whatnot, and uh, I think there's a there's a good uh, bit of learning to be done right there. But anyway, uh, my question has to do with uh, like on Anton Lavey. You you uh, sounded like you had quite a bit of uh, experience in that particular realm. I was a priest in Lavey's Church of Satan. Lavey actually appointed me a priest in his organization when he uh, took a look at some of the work that I was doing through literature and music in my past. And he actually contacted me because I was espousing the satanic ideology back in my youth. And he asked me if I wanted a priesthood in, in the church and to act as a, a voice piece of the Church of Satan. And I took that with great pride back then in my former mentality. And uh, that opened up a lot of uh, pathways for me in the dark occult. And it wasn't until a few years after that that I became really deeply aware of that the dark occultism was running this planet, was running the world. And these interlocked uh, networks of dark occult orders were actually who were in the highest positions of power in uh, all of the uh, cultural institutions on the earth. Very interesting, yeah. Um well, now, how does LeVay fit into that? Now, as I've read, I've read uh, uh, two or three of his books, and I'm reading uh, Aquino's book right now, um, and uh, I'm trying to figure out, LeVay seemed to me like a uh, pragmatist, like a um, opportunist. He was seeking fame. Um, where uh, uh, did he did he start out that way? Is it, it just seeking no. the fame? No, he, no. he 
LeVay started out, I believe, as a crime photographer for a police department. He photographed, uh, he was, um, you know, somebody who photographed murder scenes. And he um, also had some connections to the uh, Lansky uh, crime syndicate. So the, the Meyer Lansky mob. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah, um, uh, through, through his family, uh, some of his family members. Uh, I believe his real name was Paul Levy or Anton Levy. I'm not really certain, but uh, uh, I know it wasn't Anton LeVay. That was like his pen name. But um, as I understand it, LeVay was really a, uh, what you might call a lapdog. He was someone who um, was asked to do what he is doing, to essentially recruit, but not fully recruit for these organizations. Again, if you listen to some of my work on Satanism and trying to help people to understand what Satanism really is as opposed to what they think it is, or this Hollywood variant of what they're espousing or trying to convince people Satanism really is, uh, Satanism is an ideology. It's a worldview. It has four basic tenets. The four basic tenets are that... Uh, self-preservation is the highest aspiration of man and, you know, uh, uh, man's own self-interest has to come before anything else, uh, uh, regardless of who you have to step over to, again, uh, get yourself to a higher position of power, influence, and control. The second tenet is moral relativism, the idea that there is no such thing as an objective uh, right and wrong that exists objectively from perception that we can make up based on our preferences and whims what right and wrong are. That's the second basic tenet, overarching ideological tenet of Satanism. The third is social Darwinism, which is the idea that the most ruthless in society have earned the right somehow to rule over the people who aren't ruthless and aren't vicious and aren't opportunistic and, you know, uh, will do anything to clatch, uh, to scratch and claw their way to the top. It's, it's a variant of a macrobiological Darwinian theory of, quote, survival of the fittest, which then these social engineers took and applied to their uh, own worldview and ideology. Uh, and then the fourth tenet is um, eugenics, the idea that since there should be a ruling class, but since, you know, their genes have gotten them there and, you know, keep them at the top of this, you know, ruthless pyramid of power, then uh, they should have uh, have the reins over who lives and who dies and get to make the decision over who gets to propagate their genes or not. That's what eugenics essentially is. So those are the four main pillars of Satanism. But as I understand LeVay's role in this, to answer your question, is he was simply a, what I might call a lapdog for the higher level aspects of these occult, dark occult hierarchical networks. And he was charged to write the Satanic Bible. He was asked by some of these higher level organizations and think tanks to write a book that crystallized some of this ideology, albeit at a, what you might call a a lower level or less intensified level of the way it's being practiced at the globalist level, the the globalist scale, the high level Satanic scale, if you will. Uh, He was to to do this to send out... um, uh, psychological infiltration feelers out into the general public so that the public members who were on the verge of um, turning into a secondary psychopath or had a secondarily psychopathic mind state, uh, that they would identify with this ideology and want to become a part of it. That's how I ev- eventually was reeled into Satanism and the Church of Satan and other 
uh, satanic organizations and affiliates, uh, affiliations with other satanic organizations like the Temple of Set, the, the Order of the Vampire, the uh, Order of the Evil Eye, Whitehall Church of Satan, and some others, some other smaller groups, Church of Lucifer, etc. I had, I had, I had contacts and affiliations with many of these groups. And I was an official member of a couple of them, namely the Church of Satan, the Order of the Evil Eye. So um, again, the the Church of Satan, as I see it, and how LaVey propagated it, was an organization to interface with the general public and put out these tentacles or feelers to identify members of the public who fully understood this ideology, agreed with it, and then to mine that those members of the public and try to go into there for people who had certain psychological characteristics and skill sets, real world skill sets like communication, writing, planning, um, computer skills, uh, you name it, music even. They, they, They want people to infiltrate all institutional bodies with, you know, uh, these, this ideology. So that's what LeVay's role was, as I understand it. Uh, Great question. If you want to continue and uh, throw something else out there, another question or two, hang on through the break, and uh, I'll have you come back up and ask a couple more, all right? Stay stay with us, folks. You're listening to What on Earth is Happening. We'll be right back. From your sleep, if it's your soul you want to keep. Make no mistake about it, folks. This is all about saving our souls. Because there is a lot of evil in this world. And there's a lot of ignorance that's fueling that evil. And there's a lot of misperceptions about what's going on. So uh, we were talking to... uh, Let me just give the call in number one more time. Uh... Last 45 minutes of the show, I'm going to be taking your calls. The call-in number is 800-313-9443. Once again, 800-313-9443. I believe we were talking with Ray in Oregon. He had asked me about LeVay's role in the satanic hierarchy. I explained that in the last segment. Ray, if you had another question, go ahead. Well, I've got a few. Uh, I really... uh wish I could have run into you a long time ago. I've been... Uh, I've read most of those authors that you... Uh, named before, I found some very good in in uh, all of well, most of them. Uh, I really thought Manley Hall was uh, brilliant. Would you call Manley Hall the right hand path, where Pike would be the left hand path? Yes, I, I, absolutely. Uh, I I think that Pike also has a lot of illuminating work, but I do feel that he kind of strayed off the path, off the middle way, and uh, went to what you might call the dark side, or certainly the gray side. But. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I I do feel that Manly P. Hall was certainly a true enlightened soul, and he really, he also, I think he started on the left-hand path back in his youth and turned it around pretty quickly. He, he turned it around before he went very deep into it, and he really, really 
uh, contributed in the way of spreading a lot of uh, highly illuminated knowledge out to the masses of people. And I guarantee you the controlling class did not like that one bit. Uh, I certainly like Manly P. Hall's work. And if anybody is not familiar with him, you should 100% check out his books and most of all his lecture series, which you can find online for free. Just type in Manly P. Hall lectures, uh, do a torrent search for them. Type in Manly P. Hall lectures torrent. I guarantee you'll find them all that way. They're out there. You know, they're out there for the taking. Just you, you could also, you know, if people uh, still want to do the ARC offer, I still make the ARC available. It's a one terabyte drive full of knowledge. You know, you just have to get in touch with me, email me and say, give me the information about the ARC. You know, I still send out a lot, a lot of ARC drives that people send to me. So uh, that offer is still on the table. All Manly P. Hall's work, a, a whole lot of it is on there. I don't know if it's all of it, but a whole lot is on that drive. So uh, I definitely consider Manly P. Hall a very, very powerful and positive influence in my life, at least. Uh, that, that archive, do you have a listing of what all the information uh, is on there? I on do. Your... If you contact me, you can send it, but you, <laughs> that'll take maybe as long as to, to read the content listing as it will to go through some of that information. It's a, it's a lot of data. It's a, I think it's a, like 7,000 books or something like that, and there's like 20,000 MP3 files, lectures, and audio, and radio, and then there's about 1,800 videos, 17 or 1,800 videos, something like that. It's, it's crazy. It's a, really a lifetime of knowledge in one hard drive. I was going to eventually expand it to two terabytes. I think I have something like 15 or 16 terabytes of data in this house, dig stored, archived digitally. So, you know, I could probably make a, a four or five terabyte drive if, if I wanted to. But for now, it stands at one terabyte. I may eventually in the future expand it to a two terabyte drive and throw a bunch more videos on it. Wow. Well, that sounds really cool. And I would agree with you about Manley Hall. You know, before... The, the Masons, uh, the way I'm understanding it, they recruited him after he'd been doing this for a long time before then and just said, well, geez, you know all this stuff. We're going to make you an honorary 33rd degree. He never went to, you know, any of their uh, any of their their uh, uh, rituals or anything else like that. They yes. just made him a That's 33rd right. degree. Yeah. That's right. Um, which, which in, my, in my opinion, that was done by a lodge that obviously understood the, the value of what he was teaching and probably espoused and taught true esoteric Freemasonic free knowledge and the true esoteric Masonic tradition as opposed to this diluted, watered-down, uh, you know, uh, uh, old boys club of uh, the modern lodge system of, of what could laugh would laughingly be called Freemasonry, which has nothing really to do with true Freemasonry, which has really been turned into a, uh, a, a man's club of influence and control. And uh, it, 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 it's a disgrace to even call it Freemasonry. So uh, I believe Manly P. Hall was a true esoteric Freemason and carried on the, the um, uh, uh, dissemination of knowledge in that true ancient tradition. And that is why the lodge that gave him that honor did so, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you're probably right. And I agree completely with, uh, with your breakdown of the of the masons i've uh, gotten to uh many debates with uh, many lodge masters and uh told them what they believe in and they they didn't even believe me that they believed in i mean it's right there in your doc in your doctrine guys uh well anyway um okay so back to levey when when levey that your answer there made a lot of sense to me because i've been trying to pin him uh, just you know who he was was he just the uh the 
the showman? Was he just uh, uh, looking for stardom? You know, because he got to mix with the with the stars, and he was on the Eagles uh, album cover, and uh, he got you know honorary mentions in all these different places and whatnot. Uh, and I, so he was out there uh, mining uh, talent. That uh, that actually makes a lot of sense to me. When he was writing uh, the the Luciferic or the the Satanic rituals, he came up with. Um, you know, uh, uh, one uh, element or one being for each north, south, east, and west. Yes. Uh, Saint Lucifer, Belial, and the Leviathan. Right. It was, I, I had never seen those before and never heard of them since. I think he's the only one that is using that. Would, would, would you say that that is true? Uh, no, I would say that this goes back to an ancient tradition of the four elements of earth, air, water, and fire, each one representing a different quality of consciousness. So in his system, Satan represented the South, which was desire, okay, which was, you know, uh, uh, I would say uh, these were, uh, it, it was, um, you know, uh, your, your willpower too. It's what you wanted to get accomplished. You know, then you had Belial in the North, you know, and that was like, um, he considered that like the, the, the war uh, aspect. It was like, you know, the, the, the willpower, okay? And then you had uh, in, the, in the West Leviathan, and that would been the, be the waters. That was like your, your emotional qualities. And uh, then in the East, there was Lucifer, and that was knowledge, you know? So you, you had, uh, you know, similar to the tarot deck, you have the, 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 the different suits of the tarot. You have the the wands that would correlate with with uh, with fire. You have the uh, the cups which would correlate to to water. Uh, you have the um, you know uh, uh, the swords they correlate to air, and then you have the discs they correlate to earth. So you have you know uh, the earth, air, water, and fire elements. They come from the ancient alchemical tradition, and all ancient occultic traditions taught about these four basic signs. And again, they just represent different qualities. You have resources, you know, at your disposal, which is the earth qualities that your essential makeup, the essential makeup of the personality, the things that you have to work with, the innate characteristics and qualities of the being. You know, you have the air qualities, which are intellectual capacities, knowledge, you know, your, your actual ability to use and employ intellect, uh, not necessarily holistic intelligence, but just, you know, cutting edge, cutting intellect. Uh, then you have, you know, the uh, emotional qualities, which would be represented by water. And you have, uh, you know, the, the willpower, the will, the, the actions are active masculine qualities. And, you know, uh, that's, that's the fire aspect, you know, born out of desire and, and drive, you know, and courage. So uh, LaVey was just taking those four elemental components that are found in many different occult traditions and uh, then ascribing his own, you know, demonic name system of the four, what he called the crown princes of hell to those four elemental uh, realms. And uh, then, you know, of course, uh, you know, ascribing directions to them, uh, the cardinal points and uh, making, you know, the, uh, in his ritual system, making the altar, the Western uh, aspect which was Le Leviathan the waters because it's the the setting sun and it all has to do you know the idea of Satan came from the Egyptian tradition the the god set 
you know, because he was the conqueror of Horus, the sun. You know, this is all part of the uh, the astrotheological tradition, where you know you get into uh, you know Horus being the r- risen sun and the savior of the world because it provides energy for all life on the earth, the solar disk. Then he's conquered at the end of the day by his brother Set and has to go into the underworld and wrestle with Set to be reborn the next day so he could rejuvenate the world again. It's all astrotheology. Levey was just you know ascribing that to his system within the satanic ritual uh, you know uh, concept uh, and system that he came up with so great question we'll pick this up on the other side folks stay with us to What on Earth is Happening here on RBN. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. Uh, just to uh, wrap up with the uh, previous caller, Ray from Oregon. Ray, I'm going to go to some other callers, but uh, just wanted to let you know, uh, a gentleman you want, might want to check out, uh, it's uh, one of LeVay's sons. I believe uh, LeVay had him when he was about uh, 40, his late 40s or early 50s. Uh, he was... Uh, uh, Jess LeVay. He goes by the name of Jess LeVay. I think his real name was Anthony LeVay, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, if you uh, look up this guy, uh, he's since gone on to, I believe, uh, start up a Christian ministry of some kind. And uh, he really talks about uh, what life was like living with LeVay and uh, what his real role was, how he was a lackey for uh, a lot of the real political and military elite and uh was at the behest of these people, like people who were in the Bilderberg group and, you know, Club of Rome and other groups. Um, uh, I, I think he specifically mentions him having many meetings with George Bush Sr. and uh, other high-level uh, political members who are obviously dark occultists, members of Skull and Bones, etc. So um, uh, that's a, a pretty interesting person you might want to check out. Uh, giving it right, you know, right from the horse, horse's mouth, so to speak, telling you, uh, having lived, you know, among him, you know, right there with him, and some of the horrific experiences he actually went through. Uh, you could check out him. You could also do a Google search for Jess LeVay. I'm sure you'll come across the material. If not, once again, like I said, it's on the ARC drive. Um, let's go to Damon in New Mexico. Damon, you're live on what on earth is happening. And, uh, if people could, uh, you know, be a little bit brief here now, because I'm going to try to take all the callers in the queue. If we can get through them all, if we do two callers or so in a segment, maybe we can get through everybody waiting in the queue. Damon, what do you have for us? Damon, are you there? Oh, just a second. Hold on. Who's this? Hey, Mark, can you hear me? There he is. Damon, welcome. Hey, sorry about that. I Not think uh, my phone was on mute. I, had, I was talking to people in the background. Uh, I just wanted to talk to you about your appearing uh, endorsement of uh, Aleister Crowley. Like, I don't want to be... Like, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it an endorsement. I would say that I've told people to look into his work, but not live the way he lived. So it's uh, a cautionary tale. In other words, someone who has a lot of knowledge and wisdom can put that out there, and you can definitely gain a lot from learning and studying his writings and words. 
That does not mean to go and try to live like he lived and do the things that he did. He fell from the path of spirituality and righteousness. So I would consider him a fallen prophet if if that. Uh, I said he was a gray wizard at best, um, certainly put out a lot of high-minded spiritual writings. And again, I feel that those writings were channeled writings that came in possibly in altered states of consciousness from other uh, intelligences perhaps. And you can actually, if you use discernment while reading a lot of his writings, you can see the writing switch and go from what would, would more likely than not be a spiritual channel to being his own egoic words. So Crowley is an enigma that requires deep study. Most people have a cursory understanding of his work. And then in that very fragmented understanding of any of his work, they'll say, I totally espouse everything he said and think he was such a great guy and tell people to go and live like he lived. That's not what I've said from day one regarding him. If you go and listen to the podcast I did on occult, uh, uh, I believe it was occult empire, uh, on Thalema over and over again, I repeat the same warning. Look at his writings, understand the spirituality contained in the writings, which may not have come from the man, but don't try to live the life that he lived because he fell from the path. I've said it over and over again, but with that clarification, you go ahead now and continue your, your point. Okay, yeah, and like my main concern was basically how he says in uh, magic and theory and practice that sacrificing virgin children is the highest form of magic, and I just couldn't understand how anybody would try to proclaim anybody who would say sure. something like that as right. any sort of person yeah. to look up to. Once again, that's more likely than not Crowley himself. Again, see, it's a, it's a very... Again, it's an enigmatic distinction that has to be made, okay? We're talking about the man and his egoic writings combined with writings that he brought through from a higher level spiritual intelligence. They're two different things. And in that instance, we're, you, are, you are there talking about the writings of the man, which is, which is obviously lesser an unconscious work and un, what I would call low magic. Uh, it's not conscious magic or high-level spirituality. Yet, in Crowley's writings, in the writings that he brought through himself, there is high-minded spirituality in the writings. If we read them with absolute discretion and with judgment and with discernment, that's what, it, again, it's not, I wouldn't tell a beginner to go to Crowley's writings. I wouldn't do it. I would tell people who have studied the occult for years now start to study Crowley's writings because for a beginner to do it, they're going to come away with a complete lack of understanding, a total lack of understanding regarding him. Then they're going to paint anybody that says there's a lot of good stuff in what he put forward. And when I say he, wrap he in quotation marks. There's a lot of good stuff in what Crowley penned with automatic writing. Just like there's a lot of good stuff that Neil Donald Walsh penned with automatic writing, but I don't agree with everything Walsh talks about, and I consider him a new, new ager. However, there's a lot of very good stuff in conversations with God. I wouldn't throw it all out and throw out the baby with the bathwater. Again, when it comes down to spiritual information, you have to use discernment and judgment. That's what responsibility is about. You can't say, I don't, don't agree with this, so I'm throwing it all out. 
So I look at I look at the example. Could Adolf Hitler ever have spoken words of truth in his entire lifetime? Of course he could have. Does that make him any less of a megalomaniac murderer? No, it doesn't. Who would say try to live like Adolf Hitler? But if you quote something that Hitler said or wrote and it happens to be true, it doesn't matter who it came from. If it's true, it's true. Truth is objective. A, a, a mass murderer could speak truth and then they can go out and do some mass murder. That's why I'm saying don't nest, don't put me up on a pedestal. Take the, the information for what it is worth. If it is true, take it and run with it. If it's true, it can do no harm. If it's not true, it's going to do harm. That means don't put any inf- any individual up on a pedestal. I don't put somebody like Crowley up on a pedestal. He was a flawed human being that lived a flawed life. And he wrote some powerful stuff. And not all of it was good. And I, I've made that distinction, I think, so abundantly clear. I don't really know how I can make it any more abundant, abundant or clear. I thought I repeated it ad nauseum in the presentation I did with Bob from Cincinnati on Occult Empire. But apparently still the message, you know, doesn't really get through or get filtered because I think people selectively hear what they want to hear instead of what I'm actually saying regarding those writings. Listen to what I'm actually saying, not the the judgment that you want to color it with. No one is telling you, certainly not I, to live like Aleister Crowley lived. That doesn't mean that a lot of his writings have very, very powerful value. So I hope that answers the question. Let's go to uh, Fred in Iowa. Fred, you are live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. Hi, um, Mark. Hey, Fred, uh, how are you doing? Real well. Um, it's all uh, Manny, uh, the uh, producer's fault. Anyhow, a week ago, uh, he let me on air, and uh, you were on. And uh, I said to Manny that uh, this guy's on to something. I believe uh, what he said before I've even heard it. Manny does okay, a great job. Ask, <laughs> okay, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer me until I give you some background. Sure, go ahead. Hey, what is your thoughts and your beliefs about God and the Bible? Now, don't answer me now. Okay, I went to sleep. I just woke up uh, at 11.30, so I missed the show, but I've been on your website. I have a cardinal rule, and I do a lot of research, and that is the word. And I got one other, and uh, it's this. UFOs. Do I believe in UFOs? Yes. Do I believe that they're from uh, other planets? Absolutely not. Okay, I hold uh, Navarro in pretty high esteem. And this last seven or eight days, I thought I found the Holy Grail when I got on to RBN. Uh, People can be manipulated so easily. Even very intelligent people can be manipulated. And uh, I'm kind of getting off the track and losing my train of thought. Well, you know what? We're coming up to a break anyway, Fred. I'll uh, let you hold over there, and I'll answer your question on the other side of the break. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to What on Earth is Happening here on Republic Broadcasting. We'll be right back.
segment of What on Earth is Happening for this evening. I'm your host, Mark Passio. My website, whatonearthishappening.com. I'll answer Fred's call, and then we'll go to a couple more callers to round out the show. Uh, Fred was uh, asking about my take on the God of the Bible, and uh, I've talked about this pretty at length in the uh, astro-theology section of What on Earth is Happening in the podcasts. Uh, This was probably back in the, uh, I don't know, maybe the 50s or 60s uh, of What on Earth is Happening. If you go back in the podcast archive, it's all there. But just do a search on the page uh, when you get into some of the earlier podcasts for astro-theology. A-S-T-R-O-T-H-E-O-L-O-G-Y, astro-theology. And uh, I make it clear there that um, while uh, there are many truths to be found in biblical uh, in the biblical texts, um, that they are largely allegorical. And not only are many of them allegorical, but uh, a lot of the earlier ones are actual historical accounts as well. And I agree that this does go into the issue of UFOs and non-human intelligences. And I also agree that many of them may not be coming from other uh, extrasolar planets. Okay, Uh, It's a lot more involved than that. And I would say to Fred, stay tuned to this show because we're going to be getting into this in a big way in upcoming episodes of What on Earth is Happening, probably starting in a couple of weeks. Because uh, cosmic abandonment is a issue that people really have to understand and research for themselves. And uh, you'll really get my full take on what I think of the biblical stories about, quote, God and the gods on future episodes. And I think I'll leave that there as a teaser. So uh, let's move on to Diane in Nebraska. Diane, you're live on What on Earth is Happening. Welcome. I, I heard you mention the All is One tonight. And it got me thinking about Dr. Hugh Lin and his utilization and teaching of the ancient Hawaiian Ho'oponopono prayer. Since all is one, therefore we're all a causal effect of everything that happens. And I just wondered if you, what your take was on that prayer, if you've utilized it, and if so, what what kinds of results you might have experienced. You know, I'm not actually familiar with that. If you have any more uh, info on it, please email it over to me and I'll definitely check it out. But uh, I absolutely agree with what you've just stated there, that uh, we are all creating ripple effects through our behavior, through our thoughts, words, emotions, actions, all forms of our consciousness. We are intricately, inseparably interconnected. That doesn't mean we're not all unique individuals and and everybody isn't different and has their own unique capabilities and characteristics and and are special uh, on, on their own. But that means we are all contributing to the aggregate quality of experience here on this planet. And we have to understand that level of interconnectedness and get over this notion that there have to be winners and losers. We are all essentially in this together. And I tell people, you know, one of the things, um, Diane, that a lot of people ask me is, how could you put forward the idea that there's no such thing as money and that money is an illusion and that money doesn't really exist in nature? Uh, I can't imagine how that would work. And so much is revealed just in them saying that. One, the imagination deadened. Two, their lack of understanding that we are all one family here, that we are all in the same situation together, okay? I, I ask people, if there was a family living in the wilderness, okay, no te- technology, no civilization, 
and there was a mother, a father, and two children, would they develop a monetary system and then some of them not eat if they didn't have money? Of course not. Why? Because they're a family and they would do for each other and provide for each other and care for each other as if the other member were, were, were themselves. That's the golden rule. We're so far away from that level of consciousness. Ladies and gentlemen, please do not confuse my statement of what is in reality with me thinking everyone is there because I don't, I know factually and definitively we are not even close to being there. We're so far away from that level of consciousness. It's laughable. It's laughable. But is that the truth? What I just stated, it is the truth. And that's where we need to get to. And until we do have the imagination to understand that we can get rid of this plague called the out of control ego, thinking that there have to be losers for there to be winners. And th th this can be a win-win situation for everybody on the planet. There are enough resources to go around. We could have free energy. We could develop free energy technology in under a year if the control system were taken down, if the slavery system were taken down, but that's what prevents it from manifesting then who knows what could happen. We could be inhabiting the stars in a decade, possibly, with what the human mind and ingenuity and creativity is capable of. But the ego holds it back, and the lack of imagination holds it back. And that doesn't mean there wouldn't be such a thing as property. There would still be property. You know, property means what I'm in lawful possession of, what I'm using at the current time, you know, uh, what I'm responsible for. That's what property means. It doesn't mean you throw the idea of property out completely and say, just because you're going to die, you can't ever own anything. No, I own the things that I use. I own these hard drives sitting in front of me on my desk. I own this board, this soundboard that I'm doing my radio show through. I own this microphone. I own this keyboard. You want to know why? Because I'm using them. They're my property. I own my body. I own my mind. I'm in full capacity over them. I lawfully, rightfully own them. Nobody else owns them. I make the decisions of what's done with them. I use them. I am in stewardship of them. They are my property. I am responsible for them. So, you know, we have to understand property still exists, but that doesn't mean we could not share resources widely, freely, and opening, openly in a gift economy or what you might call a resource-based, natural law-based economy. It is possible to do, not at the current level of consciousness humanity is at, because we're so far away from understanding how that could even be possible that that's what makes it currently not possible. The mind leads to the external manifestation. And since we're not at that level of oneness in mind, we cannot actually express that in the manifested reality that we all share. And that's what goes right to your point about how what we think, what we do, ultimately has ripple effects, goes out, and is interconnected with everything else in the aggregate quality of what we create. This is the real law of attraction, not the individuated New Age BS version that you make up everything there is in reality. No, we don't create reality individually. We together, as a whole species on this planet, in the aggregate, create the reality that we all experience because we are all connected. Diane, great point, great insight. Do you have anything else? No, no. I'll send you more email on that information. Thanks so much. Absolutely. I'd definitely like to check out that prayer you were referring to. Thanks for the call. Let's move on to Elizabeth in Tennessee. You're live on what on earth is happening. We only have a couple minutes, so be quick. <laughs> Mark, you are my razor. <laughs> Thank you. 
um, I appreciate that. Really busy show. Let me tell you what. I am a clinical social worker who got burned out and left the field. Started listening to you, oh, about a year ago. I'm back on the tracks. And I am only doing groups. I'm not doing individual. And I am teaching everything I learned from you. And the most powerful thing is get your your emotions, your mind, and your actions in, all in unison. That's right. Do not be at war at yourself. Man, that has been like the greatest blessing. And Elizabeth, can, can I ask, are you you're working with children? Or mostly adults? All. All, all. all ranges. That's fantastic. All. Oh, but I only do it part-time now because it's, that's pretty heavy. And I have just opened up my whole yard and everything, and I am doing organic gardening awesome. this year and selling at the markets. Awesome. Um, but like six months before I'm, well, let's see. Actually, that's a lie. Maybe two months before I met you, I would just lay on the couch dying. I'm I'm really glad that the information could uh, you know bring you back to some you know exercise of will and and driving you forward because that's what this information is all about. And if I made an impact there, I I'm so grateful to have uh, you know taken a part in in your rejuvenation. I thank you for what you're doing. So thanks so much for the call and and letting me know that you know this show and the information is having an impact. I really appreciate that. Ladies and gentlemen, that's all the time we have for this episode of What on Earth is Happening. It really flew by. Thanks so much for your calls. We'll see you here in two weeks.